morning, good morning. Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you all this morning. It's a beautiful day here in South Carolina. We are enjoying this beautiful blue sky and fall weather. I'm sorry for my family and friends that live in Florida where it's always hot, but this is great weather right now here in South Carolina. We, uh, that's why I love living here. We get to enjoy the seasons. God has blessed this, this area here with to have this beautiful weather we're having today. And we just welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for those who are watching either on Facebook, Rumble, or YouTube. We welcome you. We hope that uh, this message will minister to your hearts. And if you want to receive more messages, please hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. That way, when things are uploaded, you'll get that notification. We welcome those of you who are listening on our podcast as well. God bless you. and We pray that God will minister to you right where you are, whether you're traveling in your car, uh, working out in the gym, wherever you are. We pray that the message will minister to your heart and we welcome you. Uh, and of course, we welcome all who are here in the room with us. Uh, and let's uh, let's pray as we get ready to start this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege of being your children. What a privilege and an honor it is to be called children of God. And Lord, thank you that you adopted us through Jesus Christ, your son. You reconciled us to yourself. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we are ministers of that message. We are ministers of reconciliation. Each one of us here in this room and those of you who are Christians watching and listening, you are an ambassador of Christ. You are a minister of reconciliation to the world. We're calling men to repent and turn and be reconciled to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And what a privilege we have to do so. Lord, we welcome you in this time. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to our hearts, minister right here where we are, minister uh, to those who are listening, Lord. I know we're not there, but you are there. You're omnipresent, Lord. You're everywhere, and you are working. Even when we don't understand or see it with our own eyes, we know it by faith that you are working in every heart. That is the role of the Holy Spirit, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Holy Spirit, you are at work right now, and I ask you, Lord, empower me to preach the gospel fearlessly as I should, Lord. I need your grace to do it, Lord. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in Daniel chapter 8 uh, once again. Uh, last week we were looking at Daniel's vision for the end times. And uh, looking at Daniel's vision for the end times, we, we noticed that uh, it, it's not just the end times uh, in the sense of in Daniel's day, but it's also referring to end times beyond our time today. Um, and also, he, it was twofold because Daniel was living in a time and God had revealed to him in this vision concerning, uh, we looked at concerning the, 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 media, the media, media and Persia uh, empire. We saw how he was ex- describing how, how great they had become after Babylon, and yet there was another empire that arose quickly, and that was the Grecian Empire led by Alexander the Great, and uh, we, we saw how uh, the Bible referred to the uh, Media and Persian Empire uh, as, a, as a ram, and uh, we saw this uh, last week, how this picture of the ram was, was significant, uh, because they... Uh, the king would wear a ram's uh, thing on his helmet uh, whenever they would go into battle. 
that was a, a, a well-known thing. Um, and then we see this goat arising quickly. And um, again, we're looking at that there. And, and these are found in verses 1 through 4. Uh, we'll see where, where he talks about the, how, how in the time of King Belshazzar, you've got to understand, Daniel is not writing this uh, during the Mede and Persian, Medo-Persian Empire. He's writing it while he's under Babylon the Babylonian empire that Nebuchadnezzar established. And now his son is the king. It's the third year of his son's reign. And he's writing a vision that God had given him under that king. And it's pretty profound. So Daniel uh, is, 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 he's looking into his future, to the future of his time, and which, is, has, which was historical now in our time. And... He is he saw beyond even our in our future beyond us. He saw. So it's a twofold thing. What Daniel sees in this vision that God has given him. Not only does he give him uh, this vision concerning uh, his current history that or his current future that was not too far in the distant future from him, but going beyond even us. Well, for us, it's, it's history now because we are. We're beyond that time, and we've, we've seen the rise of the Medo-Persian arm, uh, Empire. We saw the rise of the Grecian Empire, led by Alexander the Great. And then we saw the rise of the Roman Empire. We know this in our history, that these are the great empires that came about. And why is this significant? Well, we've been looking at Daniel's prophecies. Daniel was given these things, and he was told to seal it up, because it's for the end times, it's for later times, times beyond him. So it's important now for us who live in a more future time than where he was. And we're beginning to see, okay, we see Daniel, how God gave Daniel this historical record about what would happen with these empires. That is, and when we look back, we saw what happened. So we have Daniel's account. And then we have the historical record, again, not proving, but agreeing with what Daniel already spoke. As we see the historical record and now we are we also going to get a glimpse of beyond us into into the book of Revelation. We're going to see the Antichrist and the beast. We're going to see the little horn again. He's going to show up again. So this is exciting. And I know sometimes we look at it. It's a lot of history, but it's important because uh, history helps you understand what the future holds. You got to know where you came from. To know where you're going. And, and unfortunately, in this in the culture and the times that we're living in, this is what tyrants do. They want to erase the history to make a new one, to make new things. In other words, tyrants, whenever they came into power, they had famous book burnings of writings that didn't agree with what they wanted things to be. It doesn't agree with the uh, with their mindset. So uh, they would burn books. Uh, when Hitler came into power, he burned a lot of books. They had book burnings. Why? Because they didn't want anything that would go against the mind of Hitler and what he wanted to do against his tyranny and his reign. And uh, history, it, it likes to repeat itself. We have today, we're seeing that. We're seeing even in America a big push to, re- to remove all historical records. We see a monuments being removed of presidents of, of people in our past history. Uh, we see this. They take out their monuments. They've taken down things. 
all be all in the name of well it's offensive now and and all of this stuff but no reality is it's really to erase our history so that a, a people that don't know where they came from don't they can be led astray if a people don't know that what happened under a tyranny and why America became America then there is they're doomed to repeat what happened but when we know about our history and we understand this is what took place how how Great Britain was was uh, was ruling with an iron fist on the people of the colonies here and and the people wanted to be free to worship God in their own way and and they were overtaxed and all the things that Great Britain was doing to the people in America they finally said enough they tried the diplomatic way they tried to at peace and and go to the king and to tell him hey this is not good so in our history we saw how tyrants do what they do and they had to stand up against it and we revolted the revolution we revolted against great britain america with just, with just farmers and and they took up what they had and they and they overcame because god blessed their 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 fight they didn't win on their own remember Many of our founders, they, they were God-fearing people and they wanted God to help them against this tyranny. Many of them. But see, when you take that away from kids to not listen to look at their history, then they think this country is just evil and bad and they don't see the good that God was doing even through people that weren't as good as you'd want them to be. And, and many of that has happened in order to, to be, be able to deceive a generation to come. You know, uh, in the book of Judges, there was a time like that. You remember in the book of Judges, there was a statement that is very profound to me, a statement that they would say, uh, a generation grew up that did not know God. Well, in order for them not to know God, they would have to erase their history to know there was a God. How, how could they not grow up knowing God? When their parents saw God do miracles and wonders, how did they grow up to not know this God? Because somewhere along the line, the, it stopped being uh, uh, sent to them. I will tell you, as a, as a, um, I'm first generation born in this country from immigrants. My my grandfather, my father's Cuban, and I can tell you that the reason I am not a communist and the reason I am not a, I'm not into those things is because my grandfather and my father told me the stories over and over again of what to look for and what communist was like under Fidel Castro. I saw it all. I would, they would tell me and tell me time and time again. I would hear when they would talk about it. They would say certain things and it would just trigger and remind me. So when I hear and when I see within our own country these influences coming in that are communistic in, in nature, I can discern them. Why? Because I was told this since I was a kid. And that's the point. When you remove that history, so now young Cuban kids that are Cuban-American kids that are born and in, in, uh, in have been in our country for a long time, some of them don't even, some of them are even communists. Because they don't, ha they don't remember or, or have been taught when they were kids what it was like. It's amazing. And, and so sometimes when you look, I'm talking about the generation, my children, right? 
but because my grandfather and father were faithful to tell me about this, I have been faithful to share with my children. Matter of fact, I took my son with me one year to Cuba on a mission trip, and he got to see communism at his best. He got to see how poor and, and how destitute everything was. He got to see how people were controlled, that you, you could only, only use the Internet for an hour at a time. At that moment when we went, you had to buy a little card and you can only be around a certain area where you can use the Internet. Can you imagine the young people in America being told they can only use the Internet in this little area? And it's because it's being monitored. They would go crazy. And and, and when you see the buildings all destroyed, the, 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 a, a, a country that was beautiful and prosperous, in the 1950s and before that, a beautiful nation. I mean, do you know, in Cuba, it was like, it was a nation that had cars when they were first in America, they were there. They had everything. They, had the, they created the first telephone that didn't have a rotary. I mean, I mean, that didn't have to be connected. You had your own personal phone in Cuba. There's amazing things. Again, why am I saying that? Because when you take away history from a generation, then it's doomed to repeat itself by a tyrant that comes in because they don't know. They can't discern, oh, this sounds really good. They're going to give us everything we want. They're going to pay for our health insurance. They're going to pay for us to go to school. They're going to pay for us to have a living wage. We'll make money from the government. And all the while, the one who pays tells you what to do. So they may sound like good ideas. They're not. They're trying to enslave you. Because when you go out there and believe your God is the God of heaven, then you know he's the one that provides for you. He's the one that the Bible says, my God shall supply all of all of your needs according to his riches and glory. When I have a need, I don't look to government for my need. I look to the Lord. Lord, I need your help. I need you to help me. We, we need food. We need to pay this bill. Lord, I ask you to give me a job. Give me something. Open a door for me. I look to the Lord. I don't look to government. But see. In the communist mindset, and this is why I'm, I'm going into this, is government is God. Okay? The government is God, according to the communist. There is no God. They're atheists in, in nature. Their, their belief system is built on that. So, okay, what am I doing? I'm trying to tie this in so you can understand that these are things that happen in history, and history is important. And I know sometimes... Uh, I, I, for, for me as a kid, I loved history class. I, I just enjoyed it. It just me. I, I, I was an A student in, in, in history because I love to hear about this stuff. I didn't do so well in math or maybe some other stuff, but I loved history for whatever reason. God gave me a love to know history. I don't know where that came from, but I'm thankful and it's serving me here. So, all right, let's move on. So Let's talk a little bit more about this goat that we find. Let's read the word of God together. Go to um, verse five. And I want to talk about this male goat that rises, which, again, we know is the 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 Grecian Empire led by Alexander the Great. But I want to read a little bit about him. As I was considering, behold, a male goat came from the west across the face of the whole earth with a touch with without touching the ground. And the goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes. He came to the ram with the two horns in which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal. And he ran at him in his powerful wrath. I saw him come close to the ram and he was in, in rage against him and struck the ram and broke his two horns. 
And the ram had no power to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled on him. And there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Then the goat became exceedingly great. But when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns toward the four winds of heaven. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great uh, toward the south, toward the east, toward the glorious land. It grew great, even the host of heaven, of the host of heaven, and some of the hosts and some of the stars, it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great, even as great as the prince of hosts. And the regular burnt offerings were taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown. And a host will be given over to it together with the regular burnt offerings because of transgression. And it will, it will throw truth to the ground and it will act and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offerings, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For two thousand three hundred evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state all right so here we see this goat again and this goat comes and it, as as he describes here daniel describes it in his dream and his vision he sees this goat running without touching the ground and as i mentioned to you last week it's it's how quickly uh the grecian empire rose how quickly it became prominent it was very fast it was quick and, and it talks about, uh, it, it goes on here, it says, It became exceedingly great, but in the height of the great horn, or conspicuous horn, <laughs> verses 5 and 8, right? We saw that. And then I want you to see in verses 21 and 22 in just a second. Look, look at, look at there, verse 5. Uh, let's just see uh, verse 8 for a minute. It says, the, Then the goat became exceedingly great, but when he was strong, the great horn was broken. So notice, it arose quickly and it became great. But when the great horn was broken, uh, when the great horn became strong, the great horn was broken. And instead of it, there came up out conspicuous horns toward the four winds of heaven. All right. Go with me to verse 21 and 22. Of Daniel 8 and it says and the goat is the king of Greece well who, who's the king of Greece we know in history the king of Greece the first king of Greece is Alexander the Great when he led them into this victory and the great horn uh, between his eyes is the first king again uh, this is speaking of Alexander the Great so he is that first king he's that conspicuous horn that everyone can see that remember I shared with you uh, when I read that uh, that uh, article uh, from from this writer. He was showing how uh, when he would fight in battle, he was dressed in a way that you could tell he was Alexander the Great. He was he was very obvious to be seen. He was notable. OK, you can tell 
he was Alexander the Great. He, was, he wore a shiny thing. Everybody could see it was him. Well, um, look there in verse 22. As for the horn that was broken, in place of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation, but not with his power. Okay, so we know in history that basically what it's saying here, he, he, his, uh, the great horn, when he became great, his reign, he died. I mean, Alexander the Great was young, very young, and his conquest of, the, of basically the known world. And, um, but he died at a young age. He died only, we know that in history, that the first king represents Alexander the Great, Alexander's sole reign only lasted eight years, and he died at the age of 33. Can you imagine? That Alexander the Great, his reign, sole reign of that entire empire, only lasted eight years, and he died at the age of 33. Um, some believe that uh, he, he could have died of malaria, of typhoid, and also potentially he was poisoned. Obviously, being one man, having all this power and, uh, you know, people, we know it could be plausible that people can can plot to kill him and they may have done it. So he died at a very young age. And so what happens? He dies and we see that four kingdoms shall arise from from his nation. So from his empire, there are four kingdoms that are going to come. Well, we know in history uh his kingdom was given over to four of his generals. So remember, he is one, he's a king. And then now his kingdom has been divided because he's died. It's been divided to his four generals. Um, uh, one is Lysimachus, is his name, Talami, Antagonus, and Seleucus, what a name. <laughs> These are four generals that were given four kingdoms from this great nation. And they represent the four kingdoms that we see here in Daniel's writing and his vision. And uh, we see the interpretation of that. God gives it to us what it is there in verse 22. And um, those kingdoms were known as the Ptolemaic to, to, kingdom, the Sel, Seleucid Empire, the kingdom of Pergamon, and Macedon kingdom. So these were the four that came out of this particular king. And it's pretty awesome. Why is it born? Because God's word is true. And God is giving us a glimpse into into. Daniel's future, but a glimpse that we see in our history of what has taken place. Now I want to focus from these four kings. There's not much I want to really talk about them too much, but I want us to, to hone in right now on the fact that he said there in verse nine of Daniel, he said out of one of them. So out of one of those four kings, out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south toward the east and toward the glorious land. Well, the glorious land in the Bible is speaking of Israel, the land of Israel. That's the glorious land. 
And so he, he's coming out and he becomes great in the, all of these lands. And it says in verse 10, it grew great, even the host of heaven and of some of the hosts and of some of the stars, it threw down to the ground and, the, and trampled them. Well, we know in Revelation chapter 12, this has happened. This is happening again. So I want us to look at this little horn. Many Bible scholars believe that the little horn of Daniel 8 is a reference to a historical figure named Antiochus Epiphanes, who ruled the Seleucid, Seleucid kingdom of Syria in 170 BC. So Antiochus Epiphanes, he was a king of the Seleucid empire. He was the king of them. Well, we know Daniel said out of those four, and we know that one of those kingdoms was the Seleucid kingdom, out of those four, this little horn was going to come out of, and the little horn comes from the Seleucid kingdom. So he comes out of these people, and this figure is not necessarily the Antichrist in body. It is a type of who he is. So just like when uh, people think of like these murderers like Hitler, Stalin, things like that, they would always say, hey, that's like an Antichrist, you know, because of the ruthlessness and the, how they uh, were uh, basically uh, atheists. They didn't believe in God and they, they killed many people because of their beliefs. Well, here and and. Antiochus Epiphanes, he um, he took his name. His name is Antiochus, and he basically called himself Epiphanes because that name means God manifest. Because he believed himself to be Zeus incarnate. You know the Greeks they they worship false gods, right? Gods, and they they had the god of Zeus, right? And so he believed of himself to be a God. Isn't that interesting? What is the Antichrist in the future, in our future time? What is he going to think of himself? That he's God. He's going to come into the temple and declare, I'm God. And, and Jesus talked about that time. He says, when you see the, des- the abomination that causes desolation that Daniel wrote about in the temple, get out of there. <laughs> Flee to the mountains. Okay. Why? What is going on? This man, who was a man, but he was, he was a king at that time. This is, again, this is why I say when you're looking at prophecy from Daniel, Daniel's not only talking about our future time when the, uh, the time of the Antichrist and all that. He's talking also about uh, historical times in our time that things would happen with these kings. And this man was a real person who, who, uh, because he thought of himself to be a god, this is what he did. He sought to bring about a sense of cultural uniformity. Think about our time. Think about the days we live in. What do they want to do with the, the culture? Bring about a uniformity. What does that mean? You can't think differently. If you say something different, you're the problem. Christians... Uh, are, are a problem because we don't believe in LGBTQ plus causes. We don't believe in, in transgenderism. We don't believe in, 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 in false religions. Christians are the problem. And we need Christians to conform and to, unif- to be 
The, we need our society to be thinking as one. That's what's happening today. We see in, our, in America persecution heating up against Christians. Not everywhere, but in very large pockets of the world. And matter of fact, uh, uh, we don't think about it, but it's a soft persecution that's happening within our educational system. They have removed God from any aspect of our educational system. And that is why there is no wisdom anymore. You know what the Bible teaches you young people? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the reason our people, our children are not wise is because we don't fear God. And we took God out of the schools. We took God out of it. And guess whose fault is that? Our parents and us, all of us let it happen. They didn't speak up and said, no, we're not going to allow you to do this. And as a result, now everything is being, as we're seeing our kids, they go to school and they come back. What happened to my kid? Why do they believe this stuff? Because they're being taught of the spirit of this age, not from here. And as a result, we're seeing this, just like this man this king, his goal was to create cultural uniformity. In essence, his goal was to create a social economic stability. All right. Use that. <laughs> well, what, what are we happening? What is happening today? We have these great big uh, leaders who are saying, hey, listen, we want to we want everybody to be well and we want it. But we have to have a global response to everything we have to have a global response to emergencies we have to have a global response to everything and we have to have a global currency because that's the only way we can really make sure everything is right we have to create this uniformity in the world we can't have sovereign nations no 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 we cannot have sovereign nations america not cannot be sovereign american and and uh and uh, uh, Puerto Rico and all we cannot be sovereign nations. We have to be uniform, one global citizens. Not, not. I can't say. Uh, well, you know, they will say it now, but there's going to come a day we're not American citizens. We are global citizens. That is the goal of this system of the beast, which God is going to allow. <laughs> God is going to allow because it's about about His word. It's going to happen because God said it's going to happen, and He's allowing it. Now, listen to this. Um, so not only did he want to do that, but in doing this, uh, he wanted everyone to embrace Hellenistic, the Hellenistic way of life and the worship of, of the Greek Pethions, especially Zeus. In other words, when he wanted to create this cultural uniformity, he wanted to teach all those nations that were under him. Uh, remember, you ha- they conquered all these nations, but he wanted them to all believe in the Greek way of life and to worship the Greek gods. So can you imagine uh, they have, they're, they're over Israel and that's going to be a problem for the, pe- the Jewish people. They're not going to worship other gods, right? We know they were given the commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. 
Now we know not all of Israel believes that because, they're, because we know even in, in, in the times of Daniel, we know that there were people who, who conformed to the way of the world, who conformed to that and gave themselves over to the traditions and to the, and to the way of life of the idolaters in their time. They're doing it today too. You know, Paul said not everyone who says there is Israel is Israel. And so there are people that also, uh, that, they, that he wanted to conform that, and, and, be, and when, when they did not submit to his authority, he brutally persecuted the Jews, which led to the Maccabean revolt. This was a, a great revolt that the Jewish people did against this tyranny that was happening. Why the Jews of the high priest families would not worship any other gods, nor fully embrace the Hellenistic way of life. Why? Because God had told them how they're to live. Just as Christians today, we have a conduct that we're to live by. We have the word of God. God has told us how we're to live. We're not going to adopt the things of the world because we're Christians and God has told us how we should live. But this world wants us to conform to it. Remember what Paul writes to the church, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. So my brother and sister, you're watching and you don't spend time in the word, you're going to be taken up with this world. You're going to be conformed to it. But when you get yourself in the word of God, then you begin to allow the word of God to transform your mind. And you begin to understand what God wants, how he wants his people to live, how we're to to how we're to be in the culture we're in. See, God saves us out of darkness, cleans us up by his spirit, and then puts us back in that darkness to shine. (laughs) Why are we shining? Because we're not like them. They ought to see the difference in us. They ought to see the light of Jesus in us. They ought to see that we have been with him. Okay. Oh, obviously we're not perfect. I mean, who is? Only he is. But we're we're going to be sticking out like a sore thumb in the world, in the culture, because we don't submit to those things. We submit to God and we live for him. Amen. And so we see that just as this man was doing that, this is why he's known as a as a type in history of the Antichrist, the little horn. Remember, we know that when Daniel mentions the little horn, in future, he's speaking of the beast in the book of Revelation, which is the Antichrist that John writes about in his letters to the church, in his epistles. We know this. Um, so scholars believe Antiochus Epiphanes is the only person who is specifically identified in the scripture as a type or preview of the person and work of the Antichrist in the future. Let me give you a few examples there from the Bible. Look there in verse 23 for a second of Daniel 8. Look there. I want to show you that this man uh, in history was a type of who the Antichrist person would be and his working in the world. Watch this. There in verse 23 it says, And At the later end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. Verse 24. His power shall be great, 
but not by his own power. And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are saint are the saints. By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand and in his own mind, he shall become great without warning. He shall destroy many and he shall even rise up against the prince of princes and he shall build. Uh, he shall be broken but by no human hand. Wow. All right. So Antiochus was known to be of bold face or fierce countenance because he, bru- he was brutal towards his enemies. And so will the Antichrist be brutal to those who do not worship him. You see, he was a brutal man towards those he, that did not agree with him. And so is the Antichrist. You know, remember, he's going to come and and offer the world peace. But we know in the three and a half mark, he's going to turn and become, I mean, come after people with a vengeance because he's going to declare himself to be God and he's going to want everybody to worship him. And if you don't worship, if you don't take my mark and you don't put it on you, you're going to be killed. He'll cause the image to kill you. And that's something. He's going to do that. So the Antichrist will be brutal to those who do not worship. Daniel uh, describes that he will be one who understands riddles. I love what uh, David Guzik writes. Antiochus was known by his flattery and smooth tongue. You know, when people are, they flatter you. I mean, you ever talk to somebody that they, when they talk to you, they just make you feel all nice and good. And then, but they're doing that to, to get you. Like it's not because they're sincere. They're flattering you. They're doing the flattery. They have a smooth tongue, but to bring about deceit or to stab you in the back some way or somehow. Because they're not really sincere about what they're saying in front of your face. It's only to somehow gain your favor and then take power. And that's how Antiochus was known to be like that. So is the coming of the Antichrist. He will strike a covenant with Israel. He's going to be one who... He's, hey, I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to bring peace. I'm going to bring stability again to Israel and away from the nations. We're going to do a covenant. And you're going to be able to worship God like you used to. You're going to be able to have the temple and worship and offer sacrifices. Because don't you see? He's going to be smooth. He's going to be one who can, who can, who can create this because no one has been able to do that ever. And he will be able to do it. He's going to be able to do that. And he's going to strike a covenant with Israel. And Dan, we see this in Daniel chapter 7. And we know this uh, uh, concerning what he's going to do. So this means the Antichrist will be an intellectual genius. He will overwhelm and captivate the world with his supernatural intellect and his power of perception. He's going to be able to, to just captivate you by his speech. Oh, man. I don't know about you, but I know... That my grandfather would remind me, you know, that Fidel Castro was a very good communicator. His speech would inspire people when he would speak. And this you think about that, like these evil people who were speaking these words and it would cause people. Oh, yes. And and he and it's just going to be wonderful. It's going to be this utopia. But no, it's not, because once he gains power, you know, everybody, I'll give you another example of communism. The moment that Fidel took power, you know that he killed one of his good friends 
Echeverria, he killed him because he didn't want him to, to go above him. The guy from, I think he was from, I don't know if he was from Peru or somewhere. He was, it's, his, it's a guy that they put on the shirts. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, but he's always, you know what I'm talking about. It, they always put his face and, and he's wearing the, I, I forget his name. But anyway, young people put him on like he's a revolutionary because he, he really helped Fidel to do this. But Fidel, once he took power, he's like, nah, I'm going to kill you because you can't go above me. <laughs> and uh, we know that the Antichrist is going to do the same thing. Remember, he's the little horn that rises and he takes the spot of three kings. He, he takes them down and he comes and takes their place. <laughs> um, so he's going to be one who's going to be able to, to, to have this ability to, to captivate you with his words and with his intellect. Daniel says his power shall be great, but not by his own. He's going to be great, not because of his own power. Watch this. Go with me to Revelation chapter 13. I'm almost done. Trying to get to this. Verse 2 there of Revelation chapter 13, it says, And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet like a bear's. And its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and his great and great authority. All right. Who's the dragon? If you keep on reading is the devil, Satan. He's the dragon. And he gives the Antichrist his power and authority. So just like. Antiochus in history, he was empowered by demonic spirits the way he was acting. So will the Antichrist, he will be empowered by Satan himself to do evil. And not only will he receive power by, from Satan, but he also will receive power and authority by the kings, the ten kings that are left in the future time. Look at this verse. Go with me to chapter 17 of Revelation. Chapter 17 of Revelation, verse 13 through 14. Revelation 17, 13, uh, 12 through 13, excuse me. And it says here, And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. Who's the beast? The little horn. He's going to receive this power that isn't from his own greatness. It's coming from, number one, Satan fully demonically possessing this man, giving him power and authority in the spirit, spirit, supernatural way. And then in the natural, he's going to receive power and authority from the kings And you notice that they all have one mind. That means they all want everything to be the same. But you know what's interesting? Even though Satan is going to create this one world government, one world currency, there still will be people who will not submit to that. They're still not going to go with it. There still will be nations who will not be a part of that. So he can't fool. Again, he's not God. He can't convince everybody, but he will convince a lot of people. 
there still will be a lot who will fight against him, even in this time. So um, that's an awesome thing, too, to remind us that he's, he's not God. Obviously, he's never been. He's what he wants to be. All right. So, Pastor Danny, what's the point? The point is that history matters. And it helps us to understand our present and where our future is. And when we're looking at the word of God, we're seeing here that in a future time of us, we're going to see this happening. And my hope is that you begin from as we're looking at these things, that you're beginning to discern the spirit of our time, what is happening in the world, why things are going about the way they're going. Why is everything becoming digital? Why is everything becoming this way? Why? Because it's going to lead to a oneness. It's going to lead to a one digital currency for the world. It's going to lead to a one world government so that one leader will rise and lead the whole world. This is the whole goal of this, and God's going to allow it because God said it would happen. Okay? But we as Christians, while we're here, we need to warn people. And listen, I know there are people that will tell you, oh, we've heard this all the time. Let me tell you something. The Bible says in Peter's time, they're going to be mockers who mock. Oh, you said Jesus won't come, that Jesus is going to come, they're going to mock it. But what we forget is that God is being merciful because he wants people to repent. Because when that day comes and the church is taken away, what is going to happen in this world, No, it, it has never been seen ever in history. The great tribulation that's going to be left. Why do we pray and weep over our families? Why do we pray and weep over our children who are lost or, or our loved ones who are crying out to God for every, every day that we can, that we remember them in our prayers? We, call, we, we ask the Lord to save them, to send people to preach the gospel of where they live. Why? Because we know what is coming. And it's going to be a wrath that no one has ever experienced ever in the world. And thank God it won't be long. God is going to cut it short. His reign is only going to be seven years. That's not a very long reign for an, an empire. So uh, I hope that this encourages you this morning to just understand that our God has given us this so that we can have assurance and hope for the future, knowing that he's with us and that he told us these things so you can have peace. So when all everybody around you is going crazy, oh, my God, what is happening? You're at peace because, you know, God's already said it. And you can remind them, hey, these are the things that Jesus talked about. These are the things the word of God says. Man, this is a moment for you to repent because we don't know when he's going to come. We don't know when, when all this is going to happen. We don't know fully when it's all going to happen, but we know it's coming. And we need to be ready to meet the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, we, we, I, I'm encouraged by your word. And Lord, I, I think of my loved ones. I think about those who I care for and those I haven't met yet, Lord, that you will bring in my path. Lord, my prayer is that you would open their hearts to you. Remove from them a, a stony heart and give them a heart of flesh. God, remove from them blinders that Satan has blinded them with so they can see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to be patiently waiting to be patiently, to be like that father in the prodigal son, that we would be looking for the day of their return to you. 
Lord, some of us have children who have walked away from you. But we know, we believe in your promise, Lord. We believe that you're going you're gonna to work on their behalf. We are, we're praying, we're, we're believing that you're going to work on our behalf, that you're going to bring them into your kingdom. Even if I'm not here to see it, Lord, I believe and I trust you that my household shall be saved. I'm believing you for that, Lord. And I pray that you would encourage those watching, listening, that if they're doing the same, they're believing for someone that God, that they will not stop believing. They will continue to trust that you're going to do what you said. And God, we just thank you for that, Lord. Be with us this week as we go to work, as we go uh, wherever we are, God. Help us to be a light in this dark world, that we may show men to Christ, that we may, we may say that Jesus is the reason for you to be uh, to, for you to be delivered from your sin. Jesus came to save you from your sins. Jesus came that you may have a hope and a future. But you must turn. You must repent of your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says those who confess the Lord Jesus, they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and they'll live a life that is different from the world around them, Lord. God, we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.